you're listening to the Knowing Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Linnell Peters, and it's an honor to walk alongside you in motherhood, whether the journey is just beginning or you're right in the thick of it. I believe that your worth as a mother is not based on your performance and that your greatest strength is the love that you have for your children, whether they're in your arms or only in your heart. My prayer is that this little corner of the podcast world will leave you feeling more equipped, more hopeful, and less alone than when you arrived. Hey everybody, it is so nice to be back. I wasn't planning to take a six-week break um, this early in the second season, but uh, God really just placed it on my heart that I needed to press pause for a little bit. Uh, Just between some health issues and some things going on with our family, I just felt like I was pushing too hard uh, to get content out, and uh, as much as that makes me feel uh, a little bit like a failure, uh, that's just my personality type, um, I really had to... Uh, just take a step back. One of the things that God taught me, um, or maybe I should say reminded me of again, uh, was on the subject of just my timeline versus his timeline. And uh, I'm sure many of you relate to this. There have been goals and desires for, for knowing motherhood that I have wanted to accomplish in a certain time period, like launching the website. And due to different circumstances, you know, going on, it just felt like it wasn't um, coming together. And so I needed to take a little bit of a step back. And so on the whole, it was a really good thing, but I'm really glad to be back. And thanks for your patience. Um, I think it's time for me to start asking for extra help. (laughs) That's that's kind of what I really need to do um, next. So anyways, this leads well into today's conversation uh, with my very sweet guest, September McCarthy. She and I talk about our expectations in motherhood and how sometimes God really calls us down a different path than we're expecting. Sometimes it's a path that's filled with a lot of pain and discouragement. September is an author, a speaker, a small shop owner. She's a homeschooling mama um, of 10 children ages 8 to 27, and she is also a mother-in-law and a grandma. September has experienced incredible loss in her motherhood journey, and she shares openly about the pain she and her husband have walked through, including the loss of their full-term daughter, and their twin boys at 24 weeks along in our pregnancy. I'm really so happy that you get to hear from September today because she has such a beautiful heart and so much wisdom to share. Here's our conversation. September, hey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Linnell. I'm so happy to be here. You know, I am just so in awe at so many of the the things that I know about you and your story. And so today I just feel so honored to get to have this conversation with you. It's it's a joy to talk with a mom who has 10 children. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if amazing is the word, but it's, it's, it's great. It is really great. Thank you. Mm. I, I love all of the cool things that I always hear from the families that I know that are 
larger we'll just say I guess four <laughs> like our family is considered large as well but it's that's a little different than Ted but I love the people that I know that come from big families always well the ones that I've talked to anyways always say that just how wonderful life is with mm-hmm. a big family um do you hear that from other people as well I do. I, you know, it's funny. I, I receive a lot of mixed feelings um, from different people. Everyone's kind of always curious about large families. I've actually mm-hmm. run into people who are um, part of a large family or know people of large families who who aren't so fond of it. Um, but mm-hmm. I think every family has a culture. You right. know, I've, all of us set up a culture for our families and in our homes. And I and I think that that's it is an amazing thing to have a large family, but um, we work really hard <laughs> at keeping mm. our large family very close and um, at the same time, you know, being very social and loving to other people. So it's it's one of those cultures in our home that I think is really unique. We're not like the stamp large family family, but um, it is. I, I do enjoy meeting other large families, but because our journey to motherhood was so different, I think, than mm-hmm. most of the people who set out to have a large family. I kind of see see that a little differently sometimes when people see us and meet us. Um, you know, they don't know my whole story. They just see a typical large family. And I think that maybe speaks into the culture of our family a little bit, you know, our backstory right. and what makes us a little different. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. Do you want to share um, a little bit just about who you are for our listeners so they're familiar with you if they don't know who you are? Um, And then maybe a little bit about what a typical week looks like for you currently. Sure, yeah. Um, So I, first of all, am a mom, but first I'm a wife. And before that, I'm um, a daughter of the king. Um, I was married young. I met my husband on a blind date, believe it or not. And um, now that I have older daughters, I just can't even believe that my parents let me do that. Um, <laughs> and then and then get married. And, um, and a little bit about myself is, you know, I just never thought I was going to be a mom. I just thought I was going to be a teacher. And I had a lot of different things on my mind, but never really was taught how to be a mom. Never thought about being a mom. I didn't even really play with dolls growing up. I was just more of like, you know, set up a classroom in my bedroom and taught my younger brothers type of personality. So it was just um, very interesting now when people, you know, know that about me, it kind of alters their view on, oh, you know, motherhood does look different for everyone. And um, so motherhood took me by surprise. And but I'm a busy mom, we have 10 children. Um, Our oldest is 28. And our youngest is eight. And we homeschool. And we've um, had different approaches to education. Our kids have attended a private school. They've homeschooled. Um, We've had tutors. So we're not just a diehard homeschool family, but it is the core of what I try to do. And if I can't, if there's a season when I can't do it, then I don't. Um, I'm an author and a writer and I'm a speaker and I'm a creator. I love to create. I started an online shop a couple years ago and um, called September & Co. And I just, I just love to create, I think that's what I love the most about motherhood, I think, you know, is that Mm. I'm watching my kids grow and they're all different and I get to see all those neat, incredible things in them be unique from one another. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, as a visionary and a creator, that's exciting to me. Um, In a typical week in my home, 
is usually a mix of strong um, schedules when it comes to homeschooling because right now we have four kids left to homeschool ages or grades I should say ninth down to fourth and we have um, you know I have adult children which I try to spend time with so I'm rotating that into my week and I have grandchildren so I take care of them whenever I can and I go visit them and they come visit me and um, I try to fit in date nights with my husband and my kids have music lessons and ballet and I'm trying to run my shop and I travel and speak but and I know that sounds like a lot but Mm -hmm. I'm um, I actually have eliminated a lot of things that I used to do and um, my husband and I are a team. That is the only way that this works. Uh, right. We own our own, yeah, we own our own business. So we kind of have worked, you know, over the last 30 years of marriage to figure out how to do this and to do it as a team. So that's the only way I can, mm. I can make some of this work. And sometimes it, um, it's just a big old flop, you know, I'm just like exhausted. Mm. And, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, those are, that's what a typical week. And, and of course you can probably notice, I didn't mention like meal planning and yeah. cleaning my house. <laughs> Those are the areas I'm not quite so strong in, in the season of my life. But, um, mm. so yeah, that's a little bit about me. Well, I have so many questions about how you run all of that. Yeah. I was going to say, how do you do meal planning? <laughs> You've got four. So you said you have four at home now. So mm-hmm. all the, the older six are all living elsewhere. And how many do you have married? children Mm -hmm. yep we have um let's see we have four married children and then we have two um college age students and and so they're in college and then we have the four younger kids and then we also have suffered and walked through the journey of loss and um with babies and pregnancies and children so we have seven children um in heaven in addition to the 10 that we have here Mm. Mm. You know, whenever a mom says that now, I I've started imagining my children in heaven playing with her mm, children. Beautiful. Her children. And there's something really beautiful, yeah, about yeah, that thought. It brings special. a lot of peace. Mm-hmm. Yes, it really mm-hmm. does bring a lot of peace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just why don't we move into that um story of yours? Um uh, do you mind to just start maybe sure. from you know, your, your, your first pregnancy or your, wherever you want to start and just share your motherhood story. Yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. You know, and I, I think I'm glad that I, usually when I speak or talk to other women, I, I don't usually begin with an introduction about myself because I think sometimes women that listen to podcasts or go to events for women and they hear, um, they hear a woman's bio or an introduction where it involves, you know, 10 children and she homeschools. Mm-hmm. Like there's this curtain that's drawn where there's this disassociation maybe, well, you know, I, I don't have that or she's not like me. And mm. so I usually don't begin in sharing where I am today or what I have today. Mm-hmm. Um, because my story, my story, my journey, my marriage, my motherhood did not look like that. It has not always looked like that. And I want women to know that, um, I understand, I really Mm -hmm. do understand, um, loss and I understand, um, loneliness and emptiness. So, uh, when my husband and I were first married, um, in the first year of our marriage, 
we um, experienced and suffered from a miscarriage at about 10 weeks. And, you know, I was really young. I got married young. And of course, I wasn't planning to be a mom when before I got married, it wasn't on my radar. So, you know, the miscarriage to me was hard physically. And I don't think that the emotional part of the loss had really registered with me yet, I should say, when it happened. Um, Because, you know, like I said, it wasn't I was waiting to get pregnant, I wanted to have a baby, it was more like this disconnect for a little bit. And this is really important. And I share this not to be insensitive, but to to kind of pull a a point that I'm going to share later into the story. So after that, uh, my husband and I found out we were expecting again. And, uh, oh, at this point, I was very excited. And um, we found out we were going to have a little girl, and we named her Elizabeth. And then at about four and a half months, I went into the doctors, and they told me that, um, now, I was alone for this appointment. My husband wasn't with me, and the doctor pulled me into the room, and he said, September, um, your baby doesn't have any kidneys, and she won't live after birth. There's nothing we can do, so you probably need to go home and make a decision and then just come back and jumpstart labor because, you know, there's probably no reason to carry her to term knowing that in another six months or five months, um, she's not going to live after birth. Um, so I just remember that drive home very, um, looking at the world with different eyes. And I think it was in that moment that the weight of motherhood and what it meant and the loss I had before really hit me. Because until you don't have something or can't have something or can't have something that you want and feel or connected to, you don't really understand the depth and the meaning to it, I think. And Mm -hmm. so here I am, you know, go home and my husband and I decided to carry Elizabeth to term and we carried her full term and the joy of being her mom here on earth was nine months. I had nine months with her in my womb and, you know, I sang to her and I read her stories while she was, I carried her and she moved and kicked. And, um, that was my time with her. That was the only time I knew that I would have with her. And then we delivered her and, um, she lived 30, 40 minutes and we had some beautiful pictures with her and created some very special memories. And, um, you know, that was a very difficult time. She went home to be with the Lord and my husband and I were together with her. And, um, you know, there's more to my story in my book, Why Motherhood Matters. The first couple chapters I write about this entire time that we had with Elizabeth and, um, and, you know, how our time at the cemetery was just the most heartbreaking, gut-wrenching, um, time I think I've ever experienced in my entire life. And, uh, so we came home and I, I just felt empty and I felt lonely. And if your listeners, you know, have walked through loss or they have a friend who have walked through loss, everything you can imagine or read about or understood or feel has happened, you know, um, to a woman who loses a baby that, that is what I would describe right now. And so mm-hmm. after Elizabeth, we, found out we were carrying another baby again. And, um, at this point though, my 
my attitude towards motherhood was pretty hopeless and I was a little bitter and angry and um, we did, we lost this baby as well. And Mm. so at this point, I just thought I would never be a mom Um, and I just was not ready to try again. And all of those, those normal feelings of um, disappointment and anger. And I, I had to acknowledge those things and, um, you know, and there's a lot more I can say about that time and we just don't have time for that. But, uh, we fast forward a little bit. We had three, three children that we got to take home from the hospital with us. Those are our first three children that are actually married now. And I have grandchildren, um, from my older children. We had three kids after that. And, um, then I found out we are expecting again with our fourth, which I thought would be our fourth baby to take home from the hospital and ended up being twin boys. And shortly into this pregnancy, the doctors keyed in on something that was wrong with the the babies, not actually wrong with them, but with the pregnancy. And, um, they told me September, if you can carry these babies to 25 weeks, you know, we can watch you from there. They can be induced, they can be delivered and put in the NICU And you know how it is when you give a woman like a goal or a date, like nothing in the world matters except for that date. And so that was my, that was my, um, that was my finish line, like 25 weeks, 25 weeks. Mm -hmm. And at 24 weeks, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night and, um, I did not feel the boys moving and I woke my husband up and I knew, I knew that they had gone home to be with Jesus and we just held one another cried the rest of the night and we delivered those baby boys also. And, um, we actually buried them at the cemetery with our little girl. And, um, you know, we have 10 kids now we had multiple miscarriages after those boys as well. So I, the story and the journey of loss is not unfamiliar to me. And, um, I just feel like God has given me a perspective and such a blessing, um, in so many areas that I just want women to know that they're not alone. You know, they're not alone. And Mm -hmm. that's why I love to share with other women about the journey of loss so that they can see that there's hope, you know, to move past and beyond. Yeah. What gave you the courage to keep trying? Because so many women will eventually give up because it's the pain is too intense. It's yeah. so intense. Now you you still had then nine more pregnancies after you lost your twin boys. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Right. So you had yeah. two two more losses, and then you had seven. Yeah, yeah. more children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where did you I, get I, the courage from to continue to try for those those children you dreamed of? Well, I do want to say this, and I hope everyone listening that is maybe asking this question, courage to me is not the absence of fear. So I, I took on this heavy, heavy, heavy weight of fear that I carried around with me through every pregnancy, through every labor, through every delivery, through every first minute of that baby breathing, I carried fear and I shouldn't have, and I didn't need to, but I did. Now I did have courage and I, and I moved, I kept moving. I kept putting one foot in front of another and, but that doesn't mean it wasn't hard, you know? And I, and I tell my kids that, you know, that, um, courage doesn't mean that we're not going to feel afraid. And, and so for me, um, 
having those other children for me was a choice. Like we chose to have those other children and we met fear in its face many times. I, I can remember very, very distinctly, um, while I was in the delivery room, delivering our twin boys, um, there was someone at the hospital with us that was a close family member and they were in the hall, you know, waiting. And I, I can remember when I was in the process of delivering our boys, hearing this person in the hall say, well, I hope Dan and September don't have any more because they just, the pain that it's putting the rest of the family through is, um, is just too much. And it's very selfish of them. And I remember hearing that and, and I can share this very clearly and say that when those things happen, we can choose two different directions. We can choose to, um, say, okay, you know, we're not going to do this anymore. And, or we can choose to say, you know what, this is going to make my faith stronger. This is going to be hard and it's going mm-hmm. to be so painful, but I'm going to choose to keep moving and I'm going to choose to right. do what will make me a better person for the Lord. Because I'll tell you, the pruning that happened in those situations was painful. It was very painful. And that type of comment, you know, was painful, but, um, we have to remember that these are our stories. And if, and if the Lord tells us, you know, or gives us peace about not having more children, then we don't have more, but we, we knew we wanted to have some more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I relate so much because that's a, that's very similar to our story as well, where I kept feeling this pressure without, and I didn't have anybody make that comment. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Um, I maybe had, you know, someone like my mo- my mom uh, maybe comment about how, you know, uh, maybe, you know, it would be okay for us to have, mm-hmm. you know, the kids we do because, but I knew that that was coming from a place of love and her not wanting to watch right. me, me walk through so much pain. So right. I, it wasn't said in any other way, but I, I didn't take it any other way, but I'd never overheard a comment being made like that. Yeah. Um, but I did always wonder like, what do people think? And that was a big thing that I wrestled with for, mm-hmm. um, all of those years. Like, do other people think that we're foolish for continuing to try, right. um, after we lost our, our little boy river, mm-hmm. um, back in, in 2016, I, I remember thinking so soon after I delivered him that I still wanted to try for one more baby. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, there was like this onslaught of thoughts about would people think we're irresponsible or foolish or selfish or something like that, you know? There was a lot of that that I dealt with. And I don't think I really even acknowledged how present that was. But I continue to listen to that, what you're talking about, the the peace, that feeling of peace to continue. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I felt crazy sometimes. Like, why right. why do I still want to do this? You know, but I had to believe that that was the Lord yeah. leading us. Um, yes. Because I just didn't feel peace about not trying again. Right. So I, I get that. I, I really understand. And I I think it's, it's, it's hard to turn off those voices, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard right. to do that, but it's yeah. really important. It's really okay. important. Yeah. 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 And I think that that speaks to people in families who are have gone through loss or infertility and want to keep trying. Like 
support, you know, to support them and to let them decide when enough is enough and to be loving in your concern and Mm -hmm. to remember that really it is their decision. And if you want to support someone, that means you support them. You're supporting them, you know, not your Mm -hmm. own opinions and not your own. It's so hard to be unselfish (laughs) when we're supporting someone um, because we're going to have different opinions, but unless we're the ones walking that and, um, I think that's been a good lesson for me in situations that don't have to do with pregnancy or, you know, maybe I have a friend who has cancer and they make a decision that I'm like, wow, I'm thinking in my mind, wow, I don't know if I would have done that, but I remember what support means and encouragement. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that often people's concern or comments, you know, or opinions that are vocalized come from a place of wanting life to be easy wanting life to not feel so overwhelming and this but i like that you brought up the support um bit there because i wanted to ask you about how you felt supported by friends and family um Mm -hmm. during this time and specifically how did you how did you navigate communicating your own pain did you feel like you had outlets to do so or was it was it difficult to communicate what you were really walking you know feeling and experiencing you know I did not feel I didn't feel like I had any outlets um and I think that's what's made me so passionate about being very open and real about this in my book and in whenever I speak is because I'll kind of want to break through that barrier and I think women have done a really good job this culture now this generation in you know, talking about loss and infertility and, and the pain. Um, I think it's much more culturally accepted, um, now than it was, mm-hmm. you know, when I lost my babies, um, yeah. you know, cause my youngest is eight. So it's been at least over a decade. Um, and even more since our first loss, since we lost Elizabeth. But I think I had no, I really did not have a support system. Um, it was not talked about and, and especially in the church, it completely shocked me. Um, so what I realized I needed to do is I needed to be the voice. I needed to be the voice that opened the conversation. And I didn't want to be, you know, I wanted mm-hmm. comfort and I wanted someone to say, hey, September, um, mm-hmm. you know, but once I did that, people were so much more comfortable carrying on that conversation. And I think sometimes in our own pain, we're waiting and we're waiting and we don't, we don't receive it. And when we do receive something, it's either really awkward or very inappropriate or just maybe not what we needed at that moment. And so then, then that in turn becomes a source of, um, you know, maybe bitterness or, you know, just seclusion and loneliness. And maybe, maybe uh, for me, it became a time where it just, we block it out. You know, there's no one to talk to and must be, I should not be feeling this emotion or maybe this is too much or maybe everyone's forgotten and I should move on too. And so over time I kind of did that. But after a while I thought I can't live with this pain anymore alone. Mm. And so I can remember the first time that I went to speak at a woman's event and I, um, I stood up front and I gave this workshop on, uh, loss and I shared my story and my whole topic was about letting other women into our lives and um, I was all done with this workshop and 
uh, there was a long line of women, you know, there to talk to me and share their stories. And I was so grateful to be able to talk to them. And at the end of the line, there was this woman, I'm not even kidding. She had a cane and she was kind of hunched over very, very white hair, probably in her early eighties. And I thought, I wonder what she's in line for. And she, she got up to, to me and she took my face and she cupped my face in her hands and she drew me really close to her face, like, you know, nose to nose. And Mm. she said, I want you to know. And then she started crying and I love the older generation and the wisdom they have to share with me. So this was breaking my heart and I didn't know what she was going to say. And she said, I want you to know that this is the first time I've ever told anyone, but um, I lost a baby when I was, you know, a young mom and even my adult daughters don't even know. She said, I've never told anyone. Mm-hmm. And she just cried and I prayed over her. She and then she, we were done talking and she said, you know, it feels so good to have told someone. Oh, wow. And I thought in that moment, it, that propelled me to always have a conversation about it. Um, not because mm-hmm. I now always have to talk about my babies, but because we all need to share with someone. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think sometimes we don't share because we're afraid of what people are going to think. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think the people who aren't talking to us and supporting us really don't know what to say. And so, um, I've just learned to begin the conversation, you know, and, um, you know, people can say hurtful things. There's no denying that. Um, I remember carrying Elizabeth and, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I was attending prayer meeting and even in the church, the church, um, people say hurtful things just because someone's Mm -hmm. in the church and a Christian doesn't mean they're going to say all the right things. And I remember a a woman praying with me and she said, September, you do realize that, you know, your baby's not going to live because you don't have enough faith. And I was young, you know, I was a young mom and you know, my baby did not have any kidneys. (laughs) And I remember her saying that and it shook me shook me very hard and I went home and I um I could have gone very far from the church and from Christianity from that one comment I think if I had really let it sink deep um but what I did was I decided to have faith that God would do what he willed for myself and this baby and it really drove me further into the word and closer to the Lord Mm. but you know women as women that are walking journeys like this, I think we need to remember that no one is perfect, but seeking out a support system is so important. Right. Yeah. I love your response to that comment. Um, cause I think it would be easier for a lot of women to become resentful, yeah. uh, to be defensive or to even get angry at God or the church because right. of it. Right. Yeah. Sometimes like the easiest thing is to reject right. or walk away. And I love that you chose to allow it to draw you closer to God and, and, uh, Obviously, he used that to propel you to helping more women and to share your story and to to do what you are doing today. So, when did you when did you feel um, when did you feel called to share your story? So, you said that you did this workshop. At what point was that? I might have missed that detail. When did you actually do that first workshop? And did you initiate 
that yourself or did someone ask you to do that? No, um, someone asked me to do that. So okay, I think I think what happened over the years, you know, after our loss and continued loss, um, I just decided, and you know, I'm an introvert by nature, believe it or not. So podcasts are my mm-hmm. favorite thing because I can be home and I don't have to see it. <laughs> I don't have to see anyone, or you know, I could just sit behind my microphone, but I can share my story. Mm-hmm. And encourage mm-hmm. someone else and maybe give them a, a, a piece of hope to hold on to while they're at home. Um, but uh, so when someone asked me to speak and stand up front and do, I mean, that was terrifying to me. And, mm. um, you know, I'm a mom at this point, very busy mom. And But I said yes. And here's the thing about saying yes. When you say yes to something that's really difficult and you're especially sharing something very painful, it is one healing it is two helpful and it's three redeeming. And I have learned mm. so much about myself and my grief and, and, um, and about what God wants me to do with what he's taught me. And so, um, so I say yes, when I get asked, I say yes, uh, you know, within reason, I've learned a lot over the years about what I can say yes and no to with my schedule. But as far as using the very hard parts of my journey, and there's some really hard parts, um, yeah. then I say yes, because I want someone else to just hear my story or hear God's story and say, you know, there's something to that. It's not just, um, you know, oh, she's got it all together and she's moved on and good for her. Like, it's not that at all. It is clinging to every thread of hope possible over the last, Mm -hmm. you know, 30 years of my journey. And remembering that's the only thing that I'm holding on to, you know, is hope. But um, when my son, my oldest son was 18, we had our youngest baby. um, And I had never really traveled Um, done all those things that I thought I would do before I became a mom. And my husband said, September, you know, I think that you need to to try some new things. And so I started this blog and I just started writing because I love to write. And then um, I met a friend and she said, hey, September, um, I want you to meet a friend of mine named Sally Clarkson. And I said, okay, hey, Sally, nice to meet you. And then um, Sally invited me to her home. And so I got on a plane when my oldest was 18 and I, or by now he's probably 19. I weaned my baby around, um, one and got on a plane, went to Sally's house. And that was the first time I ever, um, did that. I like said goodbye to my family, my 10 kids, my husband, he's like, have fun, you're going. And, um, wow. I remember sitting in Sally's living room and she and I were talking and I just started crying. I'm like, I, I don't know why I'm crying. I think, I think I'm just like having altitude sickness or maybe, oh. I'm, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm having jet lag, you know, like I oh. had no idea, you know, I was a young mama and she said, oh, September, she said, you are just all tied up in busyness and building your home and tension and loss she said I want to ask you a question she said um you're just pouring out to people she said but can you list five people that you have as very close friends that you confide in they pray for you and I said "Mm." and I had to really think and I said nope I can't even think of two people and she said I want you to go home and I want you to find five people that will commit to praying for you and encourage you and you for them. And you make those people, your people. 
And it was like this new concept for me because I was pouring out, pouring out, sharing my story. Mm. And I did that and I it grew to be a conference for moms that I ran for five years with hundreds of women came to it just because of five people because I said yes. And um, my life has changed a lot and I've learned a lot about sharing my story. And I've actually learned a lot about myself. And so um, what a journey that's been. So, and I wrote my book Mm. in that time too. Yeah. What was the initial inspiration for your book? So it's called Why Motherhood Matters. What was the, what was the initial push to do that? Uh, Well, my initial push was not to write a book. I, you know, I just want to say that so I was running this conference called Raising Generations Today, and lo and behold, I did not know there was an agent in the audience of the conference that I was hosting, and it was a conference for moms, and we had workshops on loss, and we had workshops on, you know, all the things that come along with being a mom. And um, so this agent reach out, reached out to me after, and she said, hey, September, I'd love for you to consider writing a book. I've heard your story by numerous people. And I said, oh, no, well, thank you very much, but I'm not interested in writing a book. Um, And, you know, I just did not. I just did not have any interest in writing a book. I knew I had a busy life, a busy um, schedule. I was homeschooling, and I just didn't feel called to do that. So a couple months went by, and she contacted me again. I said, no, I'm really not interested in writing a book. And then I was talking to one of my friends, and she said, my writer friends, and she said, September, that's a really big deal. You really should take that seriously, or at least pray about it. And I said, Mm -hmm. "Mm, okay, I'll pray about it, but I'm really not interested in writing a book. So I started praying about it, and that's what happens when you start praying about something. Um, You either have peace to do something, or you know, nope, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do that. And so after a year, she contacted me again, and she said, hey, we'd like you to write a book on motherhood. And I said, well, you know what? I can do that. And so I signed a contract and wrote this book and they wanted me to write a different kind of book, like a manual. And I said, I can't do that. I can't tell women how to live their life. Like specifically, we all have different journeys. So I want to write this book about why motherhood matters. And the whole, the whole reason I wrote the book is because what I shared earlier, this full circle point, when you lose a baby or you have loss or you have empty arms, you know the motherhood matters. And why is that? Because we yearn and we crave and we know there's something missing. And if God gives us such a strong emotion for that, that means he has something very special or meaningful for motherhood. And I and I learned that motherhood does matter for so many reasons. So mm. I um that's why I called my book that why motherhood matters and um it's been a it's been a good journey. It's basically my story in the beginning, and then some very practical, um, you know, things to implement into your motherhood to make it matter. And and it's about us as women and moms, and um, you know, laced with some prayers and some helpful encouragement. But my my book does begin with our story of loss because I want women to always know that what they see, what we see in other women, is not always the journey you know, a woman has taken to get there. And I I really want women to have hope in that. Yeah. And we all need hope. (laughs) That's one of the most essential components of healing um, 
is 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 hope hope in the lord and hope in the in the in in the moment uh really uh, pushes us on it spurs us on sometimes it's the only thing that yeah. can when we're in the middle of one of these these really difficult valleys mm-hmm. you know and i love the the title of your book um especially because of kind of where we are in cu- uh, current culture today i was actually researching a little bit on infertility um mm-hmm. stats or fertility stats i should say and um in, in we're in canada here um, so I don't know what um, the statistics are in the States, but the a study from 2011 um, showed that the fertility rate has gone to 1.61 children per family. Mm-hmm. And um, they have a, um, a term which is replacement level fertility. Mm-hmm. Um, and that basically means, um, are people having enough children to replace themselves? And so it's actually below mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. 1.61. And I don't think we're at any risk of <laughs> the earth not being popula- populated properly. But, you know, a lot of women today, more than ever before, choosing their careers or other specific lifestyle um, lifestyles over motherhood. Right. And, um, you know, I think I read actually the first, um, I think I've had the chance to read about the first, uh, chapter and a half of your book, but I believe that you had talked about how we're called to be mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and this calling is a, a precious thing, which I agree with. And, um, so, do you want to touch on just a little bit what your thoughts are on this choice that a lot of women are making today? Um, do you think that, that women are scared to commit um, to motherhood and why? Um, you know, how much does selfishness play into this and how much does fear um, play into this? It's a really big conversation, but I just wanted to hear a little bit about what you think the reasoning is behind this choice that a lot of women are making. Right. Well, I think it's oh and sorry before sorry before you I just wanted to point out sorry to interrupt no it's okay that um that I wanted to just as a disclaimer say that obviously infertility plays into this for a lot of people because we've seen a bit of an increase I believe in that and also you know so and this doesn't include people who are wanting children but can't have children this is a specific choice and this is those scenarios where it's a choice sorry so go ahead no no I'm glad that you um I'm glad that you did that because we always want to be clear on you know who we're speaking or the audience demographic and I think um there's a few things that have caused this shift and I would say the first one is this what is the representation of motherhood by today's culture to women who haven't Mm. had children yet and I spoke at a um, mom's group a couple of years ago, and I, it was a Q&A time, and one of the moms in the front row had a sweet baby girl in her lap, and she raised her hand, and she said, she said, I'm going to ask a question that I might not be so popular about asking, but I really, really need an answer. I've been really, really struggling. She said, why in the world would I have a second baby when all I hear is negativity and complaining and whining from the moms today about how hard and how horrible motherhood is. Wow. And I thought, well, you know, I guess right there's your answer. <laughs> um, so I, that 
haunts me. That question haunts me. And, you know, I, so I would say that's the answer right there for um, your question. That's the first thing I would say is that we don't really give it a fair shake. We don't give it a good testimony. We don't, we don't share the goodness and why it's, I think it's because we haven't embraced what motherhood truly is. And Mm -hmm. so for me, it took this particular thing for me to really understand how my motherhood could be a really positive thing because, you know, on in social media and wherever we turn moms, groups, church nurseries, a lot of times, you know, of course we're tired. Of course we're overwhelmed. We all talk about it, but then there's another layer of that. And I think it all um, falls into a very negative category and um, it's given today's generation a very bad rap of what motherhood could be. So I think to avoid that pitfall, women, we need to know our purpose in motherhood. Like what is my purpose in being a mom? And so for me individually, I would answer that with, by saying, you know, I'm, I'm, my goal is to raise responsible adults, world changers, children who love the Lord and continue a legacy of faith. Like if I were to put that in a nutshell. So therefore everything that I do in a day that I'm thinking about in a day is all revolving around that. Um, if I want my motherhood to just be over and for me to go back to work and, um, of course my, my days are going to be negative because what is my purpose? So I think that's why the why of my book is so important. Um, we have to know why we're doing what we're doing. Yes. Um, yeah. And then, so for this decreasing number of, um, moms, women wanting to be moms, I think that's the first thing. Like we have to really we have to really share a positive, you know, testimony about what motherhood is. And then the second thing is, I think this new generation and even some old has a little bit of confusion about what true happiness is. Um, Mm. And I just want to say that I 100% believe you can have a career and be a mom. I just want to say that, um, on my pod podcast, mom to mom podcast, I share about that. The, we've done a three part series on that on the working mom. Um, of course there's going to be sacrifice in some areas, but I, it's not even about working moms. It's about this happiness factor. And when I scroll on Instagram, I see it, you know, I see a lot of the, the, um, learning more of who I am so I can be a better person and this is the ultimate goal and this is what I'm going to give my whole life to figure out instead of realizing that um, there is no better way to learn more about who you are and become a better person than to be a mom (laughs) so (laughs) being a mom Mm. is so sanctifying isn't it um yes so, so true. Yeah. So I think, I think those two things, I mean, I, there's other things I think, of course, but you know, um, if I were to bring it down to a nutshell, those two things there, you know, there's a lot of other things we could talk about when it comes to that, but I just yes. feel like, yeah. um, that first thing though, I just, I can't imagine if I did not have positive role models of women who loved motherhood around me, um, I'm not sure I would have had a big family. You know, I, I, yes. it really makes me think back and I have daughter-in-laws now and they're having their family and, um, not everyone comes from a world that motherhood was a great thing. Um, right. so I understand that, but, but it, if we know our purpose, it can be such a beautiful, 
beautiful thing in the end. Like I'm watching my children, I'm releasing them now. You know, motherhood is like mm-hmm. um, a capture and release, a capture and release from the time we have a baby or lose a baby or have a baby yeah. and we see them go to kindergarten or we see them get married. And I am in the release stage with some of my children and it makes me weep. It makes me weep to mm. think that God did this thing and it's so beautiful. And I'm just, just this week, I had so many tears over watching one of my grown daughters who we had such a struggle with, um, watching her grow in the Lord and become this responsible, God loving world changer daughter. And I thought, look at that. Like that was my job (laughs) and here she is. So, um, you know, let's, let's make motherhood a beautiful thing again. Yes. Yes. Amen. <laughs> oh my goodness. We need that so much. I, as you were talking, one thing that stood out, um, to me and, and just kind of what I have observed is the whole comparison component of social media and the fact that we're just flooded with so much, um, opinion and information yeah. and, and stuff from others on the daily. If, if you're on social media daily, um, and I think that the whole comparison aspect is there and active in such a negative way um, for mothers because we see what other mothers are doing and we can very quickly become discontent in what we are doing and what we're called to. Knowing your why again, as you're saying, is so important Yes. because if you can keep going back, if that's where you, that's your... Um, what would you say that that's the foundation Mm -hmm. that you can come back to again and again when you're kind of in a crossroads Uh of sorts um, or when life is not going the way that you anticipated if you could come back to that why right it's going to ground you and it's going to give you a context for how to make your decisions it does otherwise we can get so caught up in all the different details right it can get so overwhelming it can be too overwhelming right yes I I, one of my daughter-in-laws is um, very, very musical, very, very talented. And my son, they have worked so hard as a team. They have two little girls, my grand, some of my granddaughters, but they have worked as a team so she can have these creative outlets. So she is not quote unquote, just a mom, as people say, mm. but that she has the ability to, to do some things, be a mom. She's going back to school and it's a busy season right now. But, you know, why? Why would she choose that? She's not doing it as an escape. She's doing it with a purpose. And mm-hmm. um, I think as moms that there's a lot of things we could do. Um, but it's really, I always, have, I always have to ask myself, what is it that I should do? And, um, you know, depending on the day, it, sometimes it's different. And, um, mm-hmm. But really just knowing our purpose. Because everything we decide to do in a day or a week or in a year really revolves around that. What is our purpose? Right. Yeah. 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 I love that. You know, September, I would just love to talk to you for two more hours, (laughs) but we don't have the time to talk for two more hours. So maybe I'll be able to convince you to come back again. I'd be honored. Um, Yes. I'd love, I'd love that. Yeah. I, there's so much more, I think to your story that you have so much insight to share with other moms and tell me what's one of the most rewarding things that you've experienced in helping other mothers and sharing your story? Mm, Boy, I think one of the most rewarding things is 
I, I would have to say too, honestly, is that one, I have full grown daughters now. And that when I wrote this book, I set aside one book for each of my grown daughters and then a whole pile of books for any granddaughters I had. And I, and I put them in my hope chest because this is about generational living, right? Like I want whatever I've learned to be passed on through the generations. So for me, that's like my primary gratification, I should say, like knowing that these Mm. words will forever be here. But so I'm helping them, even if I'm not here someday. But then for one-on-one, I think the most rewarding thing is, is knowing that someone else that hears me or reads my book or that I'm counseling or mentoring, that they can see Jesus they see him in me, that they know that everything I'm saying is not because I'm just so smart and I've, um, so successful or, you know, I have 10 kids, so I must have it all together. Like, I don't want them to see that. I don't want them because it's not true for one, (laughs) but I, I I want women to, I want them to see the gospel. Like I want them to come Mm -hmm. to know him. And then if they already knew him, then to come to know him better by what I share. And that is so rewarding when someone says, September, I can totally see how God has worked in your life in this area because I don't understand it, but I can see it. And I think this is exactly why I share, you know, this is what I, that's my prayer. And, um, he, he is my, my rock and my answer. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I would love to say, I'd love to see women, you know, getting a good night's sleep, or I'd love to see women having victory. You know, all those things are true. But if you were to ask me yeah. what is the most rewarding thing, that's what I would probably say. Hmm. Would you mind offering some hope, just a few words of hope for the mother who has walked through loss um, recently or, or, you know, who's just having a really difficult time Um working through loss or who is facing a loss. Yeah. Um, like you did with your daughter, Elizabeth. Yeah. I, um, I think that I would just remind them that they are in a kind of like a spiritual wilderness right now. Um, like a deep crevice and it's a very, I want to recognize the woman that's listening to that, that it is, it is a very um, lonely place. Um, I want to recognize that it is very um, empty and maybe very dark and that the hope I can give you as you're walking in that deep crevice, that valley, and it feels like nothing is ever going to feel better or be better or ever take this pain away, that if you keep walking and you keep walking with the word of God and the spirit of God and the people of God with you to keep moving with those three things, then that light will slowly appear before you. Like there's no predicting it, but it is there and to never give up and to never stop moving, but to always have those three things that God has given us with you. So to have the word of God, spirit of God and the people of God. And to remember that there's hope, this, this feeling, if it fades away, the sadness fading away, isn't a forgetfulness of your baby or your dreams. And I think sometimes we're afraid to step out of that, 
that darker place of, of, of grief because we're afraid that we're going to forget. And so I just want to encourage women to just keep slowly moving, you know, never stop moving in it. If that means getting up and putting your feet on the floor in the morning and making a phone call or opening up your Bible and just staring at it until something speaks to you or just talking to God, even when you're angry and saying, I do not like this. I do not understand this. It's all something. So I just want to give mm-hmm. you hope that there is healing. And Second um, Corinthians 1-4 tells us to comfort those with the comfort that we've been given and God has surely comforted me and you too, Linnell. And, um, mm-hmm. and that's why we're, we're sharing this today. Yeah, that's beautiful. There's a, a fun little question that I always ask everyone. <laughs> um, before we say goodbye, can you um, tell me what you would do if you had four hours all to yourself and someone had already cleaned your whole house for you? Uh-huh. How'd you spend that time? <laughs> oh, I would probably go for a really long walk and then I would sit with my feet in the sand, which we live in um, the north and it's like, you know, three feet of snow. So I'm very, very little sand here. So I'd go on a walk and I would sit with my feet in the sand and get some sun and I would write and then probably sip a lemonade. And then I would chat with a friend. Those are the four things I think I would choose to do in four hours. (laughs) That sounds so nice. Whereabouts in the north are you? We're in upstate New York. So it's very cold. Okay. Yeah, very cold. We spend a lot of time inside, but, um, yeah, I'm a sun girl and, um, Mm. outdoors. So it's, you know, always very, very touch and go with my vitamin D intake, but, um, yeah. So, yeah, we need that vitamin D. Yeah. (laughs) I hear you. Okay. So where can our listeners connect with you September? Uh, well, they can connect with me at SeptemberMcCarthy.com or on Instagram at SeptemberAnn with an E, or, um, they can find my book, Why Motherhood Matters. And then of course my Etsy shop, September and Co shop on Etsy. And that has like some of the things that over the years of being a mom, I created, um, and, uh, you know, form that I could sell to people because over the years, my kids said, mommy of all these great ideas, all these amazing creative things that you learned. And then you created, you know, for us as a family, why don't you just create them in something that you can let other families have their hands on? And I said, okay. So in the last two years, my adult daughter, Sarah, and I have worked and started this little shop. And so we just call it September and co because now it's a fa- little family business. So they can find Oh, that's there. so fun. Yeah. That's is. so fun. <laughs> I love that you're doing that with your daughter. Yeah. I kind of dream of having my daughter's 10. Oh. So <laughs> Love it, young my then she's my oldest and um Oh you're gonna yeah, love that. I kind of I, I kind of hope that I have a little Etsy shop too actually and so oh. um yeah, I kind of hope one day if it continues that she'd get to do a little bit more with me oh, with that. So yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Okay, okay. Thank um you. Thank you so much, September. This has been such a lovely conversation, and I'm so blessed by your story. And uh, I'm really looking forward to reading the rest of your book. It's really what I've read is so inspiring, so beautifully written, so honestly shared. And um, yeah, I do hope you come back sometime. Thank you so much. 
I know I've said this before and I probably will say it again um, many times, but I am so grateful uh, for conversations like like these that I get to have with such amazing women. Um, their faith and their trust in God's plans is, is so rich and so needed um, in our world today. And September's is just one more that just truly inspires the heart um, to continue on and to push forward. Uh, her faith and resilience really is so admirable, and I love how she just gives God all the glory for that. Um, make sure to go and visit her website and read her book, um, Why Motherhood Matters. We really all need beautiful encouragement like that, and I think that book is a really great one to pass on um, to other mothers in your life. Okay, so friend, if you find yourself in the middle of a storm currently, I really pray that your time spent with us today helped to remind you of the hope that is always present and God's peace that is beyond our level of understanding. Keep your eyes up, Mama, and on Him. He is your rock and your strong tower. He will not let go of you, not now and not ever. Friends, if you'd like to support Knowing Motherhood and help other mothers find their way to this podcast and the content that we're providing, would you just take a minute to leave a review? It's simple to do and it really does help with our reach so much. Um, you can also head over to Instagram at Knowing Motherhood Podcast and say hello there. I'd love to connect with you. Um, anytime you share about the podcast, even word of mouth is just so huge for a podcast like this. So let some friends know. Um, share what has been meaningful to you about today's show or previous ones. And um, again, thank you so much for listening. And I will see you here next week.